0: Good morning again, everyone. It's good to have you here. Today, we're going to begin a new series of sermons on the Holy Spirit. Now, we know that uh, introductions are important. Introductions is how we meet our spouse, our future employers, friends even celebrities. I've had the opportunity to meet a few and be introduced to a few celebrities along the way. Uh, just a couple years ago, we were invited to, up to Washington, D.C. to, to uh, attend a, a Zach Brown uh, concert. I don't know how many country fans we have here. Enough, any country fans amongst us? So this was kind of a unique invitation because we were able to actually go to a meet-and-greet with the uh, Zach Brown band prior to the concert where the band serves us a, a barbecue meal and sits down with us and talks with us and able to really uh, have great times of really learning who they are as people, kind of really down-to-earth guys. It was really great to be uh, able to be introduced to them. Uh, Several years ago, I had the opportunity to be introduced to Sean Penn, the actor. Uh, Sean has been b- very involved in Haiti ever since the earthquake and, and because of our involvement in Haiti, had the opportunity to be introduced to him at a big convention out in Colorado. and. Uh, he is, he is a unique individual, all right? So um, everything that you've ever heard about Sean Penn, uh, I, I, I found to be true in that short introduction, all right? Um, uh, but uh, we do thank God for the way he's um, ministering to the Haitians. And then about, two, uh, uh, about 20 years ago, I was uh, introduced to Muhammad Ali. And um, coming out of a Bible study... In uh, Wolfie's restaurant down in South Beach, and uh, and uh, came came out, and one of the guys that was a resident there of South Beach says, "Hey, Brian, I want to introduce you to you know Muhammad Ali," <laughs> and I was like, "Wow, okay." And his hands are just massive, man. I mean, it's like you know, it, it, no, he, he just clenches a fence, and it'll cover your whole face. I mean, it's a, but what a great uh, introduction that was. Well, uh, I. I don't know if you know it, but there is a proper etiquette and protocol in introducing someone. So just to give you a little bit of class and etiquettes this morning, I wanna teach you the four rules of proper introduction, all right? One is that you state the name of the person of higher rank. All right. So uh, Muhammad, uh, this is Brian, all right? <laughs> That's the way that needs to go. Trust me. All right. So the person of higher rank or higher position is that person's name is mentioned first. And then secondly, you go, I'd like to introduce you to or this is uh, this type of idea. Please meet. Uh, so uh, Muhammad, uh, I'd like to introduce you to Brian Kelso. And then, uh, stating my name, that's number three, so you state that name. And then lastly, then you try to give some detail uh, that would be appropriate um, for the introduction. You know, so, Muhammad, this is, um, I'd like to introduce you to Brian Kil. He's been a long-time fan type of thing, right? So that's how, you all got that, all right? If you don't learn anything else this morning, at least you can say the preacher taught me a little bit of etiquette, all right? Well, this morning, I want to introduce you to the Holy Spirit. All right, we're going to be looking at the first introduction of the Holy Spirit in God's Word, found in the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Hear now the Word of God. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was, all, was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. That finishes the reading of God's holy and inspired word. Now, you've probably been told first impressions are very, very, very important. And here we see in Genesis chapter 1, in the second part of verse 2, that we are introduced to the Spirit of God. This is our first impression of the Spirit of God. Now, Scripture abruptly states that the Spirit of God was moving over or hovering over the surface of the waters. And it seems that the Word of God is assuming that we know who the Spirit of God is. Now, I believe, as we consider this verse this morning, we will see that the Word of God is going to give a proper introduction to the Holy Spirit, telling us about His person, His presence, and His power. Now, before we get into really looking at the Holy Spirit directly this morning, I, I, I think it's important to take a moment to remind us all of the doctrine of the trinity the holy trinity now time prohibits me from going into too much detail but i think it would to, to avoid saying anything about the doctrine of the holy trinity would be a mistake it's important that we are all reasonably on the same page now as you study scripture you will discover That the doctrine of the Trinity is not fully expounded in the Old Testament. But it is clearly revealed in the New Testament. We see it mentioned here in verse 2, the the Holy Spirit. But again, we don't know anything about him at this point. Now, I love the metaphor... Dr. B.B. Warfield, one of the greatest theologians that America has. A metaphor that he uses to describe the doctrine of Trinity as it's recorded in Scripture. Dr. Warfield says that the doctrine of the Trinity in the Old Testament is like walking into a richly furnished room, dimly lit, where you stumble and stub your toe on the objects in the room. But the doctrine of the Trinity in the New Testament is like someone turning on the light, revealing all the furniture in that room. The light of the New Testament doesn't add anything that wasn't already there, it just turns on the light of revelation to see it more clearly. So, we have in the New Testament clear scripture about purity. Let me just share with you three verses. Of course, the, the Great Commission. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. You can't get any clearer than that. And then the Apostle writes to the Corinthians, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God. So the the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Again, clearly identifying the doctrine of the Holy Trinity. And then when we see that Jesus was baptized, that the scripture records that immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw, notice, the Spirit of God descending like a dove and uh, and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, And whom I am well pleased. So we have the voice of the Father, this is my beloved Son. We have Jesus being baptized, the Son of God, and then we have the Holy Spirit descending upon Jesus as a dove. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's just clearly revealed to us. Now, our, our church fathers have always sought to give us a clear biblical teaching of the doctrine of the Trinity. They would ask questions like, are uh, are there more gods than one? And the answer is, there is but one only, the living and true God. And then they would ask, well, how many persons are there in the Godhead? And the answer there are three persons in the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. These are one God, and in same, same in substance, equal in power and glory. So you have one God, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable. But within the essence of this one God, you have three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, same substance, equal in power and glory. Now, the of the, the Trinity has been on attack, been attacked throughout the history of Christianity. The first substantial attack came about 200 A.D. by, the name, by a man's name of Sabellus. And he taught that the Holy Spirit was not God, but rather just energy. Now, a theologian of that day named Tertullian responded to this heresy and was the first to use this word Trinity to describe the Godhead. He says, Concerning the Father, Son, and Spirit... These three are one substance, not one person. One substance, but not one person. And here we see that this is the first time that the word person is used to describe or refer to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Three persons in one divine essence. Now, this word person is used within Christian theology to aid us in understanding the role of the Father as creator and sustainer, the role of the Son as redeemer and Lord, and the role of the Holy Spirit as our comforter and our guide. One God in three persons. So using the word person is meant to suggest that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are people, but rather to distinguish their functionality together in oneness. Now, we have to admit, language stumbles. Language fails us. Language is inadequate and incapable to fully describe the indescribable, immeasurable, infinite majesty and glory of God. Amen? But language is all we have. So we use it the best we can. When we say that the Holy Spirit is a person, we do not mean that he has hands and feet and eyes and ears and a mouth. Because those things are physical characteristics, not personal characteristics. The characteristics of personality is what we're focused on in using this word. Characteristics of personality, like knowledge. A person has knowledge. Feelings, a person has feelings, and action, a person does things. So we see that the Bible attributes these personal characteristics to the Holy Spirit. That's the reason why we use the word person. Let me give you a few examples. The Bible teaches that the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God, so that the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. So, what's that verse teaching us? It's teaching us that the Holy Spirit has the knowledge and wisdom of God like none other, He has knowledge like any person. The Apostle Paul says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. The inference is that the Holy Spirit has feelings. (laughs) That he's grieved. Like a person. And the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit demonstrates an ability to act in numerous different ways. For example, the Bible teaches us that the Spirit acts as creator. He gives testimony as a witness. He intercedes on our behalf. And he teaches and guides us. Therefore, when we use this word person, when we're talking about his person, what we're talking about are these characteristics of personality, of knowledge, of feeling, and action that are attributed to the Holy Spirit. Hopefully you haven't forgotten my etiquette's lesson. Remember, the first step of a proper introduction is to what? State the name of, high, of the higher-ranking person. And that's exactly what the Word of God does here in our text. The name of the higher-ranking person is the Spirit of God. And now it's time for us to really offer some detail about Him. The Bible tells us that the Spirit of God is omnipresent, which is described in the writings of the psalmist who writes, Where can I go from your Spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. The point is, is you can't hide or get away from the Holy Spirit. If you go to the heights of heaven or the depths of the grave, he's there. He's omnipresent. The Holy Spirit being all-knowing. As the prophet Isaiah asked, who has directed the Spirit of the Lord or as his counselor to inform him? With whom did he consult? And who gave him understanding? It's a little bit of like scriptural sarcasm. And the idea where the the prophet under inspiration is, is saying, listen, you can't teach the Holy Spirit one thing. He knows all things. Even the depths of your heart. Holy Spirit is not impersonable. He's not some faraway deity, but rather he is personal. Like the, the Lord walked with Adam in the garden in the cool of the day, so the Holy Spirit walks with you. Like Jesus reclining at the table with tax collectors and sinners so the Holy Spirit reclines with you. This is our God. And this is our first introduction to the Spirit of God recorded in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. And what we are told about Him is that He is hovering over the face of the waters. Alright, so it goes like this. Here you're at a, at a party. You really don't know very many people. You're at some sort of business function. You really don't know, and you're kind of like mm, feeling a little bit uncomfortable. And stuff. but you do know one or two per- people. And this one person comes over and says, "Hey, hey, hey, S- Sage, come with me. I want to introduce you to somebody." Now that person has some reason to introduce you to them. There's something that that person wants you and you and you to know that this person knows, wants you to glean for what information and knowledge and whatever that person has, that person wants to introduce you because they really believe you need to know. And so after you go through the protocol, (laughs) then the person says the reason why I introduced you because so-and-so really does know a lot about real estate. Has been the, the top real estate person in the county for the last 10 years. A little plug. You can pay me the 20 later. <laughs> <clears throat> and I really felt it would be good for you, Sage, to meet this person so you can glean from him. And, and, because he has so much personality. has so many great tactics and business skills and this type of thing. So... See how the person is saying, listen, this is the reason why I'm making this introduction. Now, let's go back to the text. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. That's what the Word of God wants us to know. That's the reason for the introduction. Because the the Word of God wants you to know that the Spirit of God hovers over you. And the Word of God knows that if you will really embrace this, that you will experience the fullness of the Spirit like never before. This introduction, this introduces us to His presence. His presence in the text is described as hovering over, which literally means to brood over. Like a, like a bird broods over her eggs. The Word of God describes it like this. Like an eagle that stirs up its nest, that flutters over its young, spreading out its wings, catching them, bearing them on its pinions. We see that this perfectly describes the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He stirs up our nest. He flutters over us. He spreads out His wings to catch us when we fall. And He carries us to safety and security. And this is what the Word of God wants you to know this is the reason why the Word of God made this introduction in the second verse of the Bible. The Spirit of God, the higher ranking, hovers over you. Now, another feature of this word hovering over in the original language in in Hebrew has, has the idea of fluttering over With tender love and to cherish. So here we see the use of this word is describing the Spirit of God as a divine gentleman hovering over us, not like some weird stalker, but as a loving parent seeking to shower their children with love. And affection, He hovers over us to shower us with the love of God. Now, there's one symbol that can completely represent the Spirit of God. So, the Word of God gives us a variety of earthly images so that we might comprehend His presence in our lives. The Spirit of God is referred to as a dove, describes the peace that His presence brings to our minds. The Spirit of God is referred to as fire to describe the purifying effect that His presence brings to our hearts. The Spirit of God refers to, uh, is referred to as oil, which describes the healing His presence brings to our lives. The Spirit of God is referred to as wind to describe the refreshment that his presence brings to our souls. Last night as a family, we went down to the Canes game. It was the first time I was there uh, for the new stadium. And let me just tell you, it was hot. It was those, you know, it's, it's that time of year is where we, where we sweat all the time, right? But as we sit there and watch the Canes play, Every once in a while, there would be this cool breeze, this wind that would go through the stadium. And it would feel like fall was coming type of thing. And when you'd get it, it would just bring so much refreshment. It's like, boy, that feels good. And then it was gone. (laughs) That's what the Holy Spirit does. He's described as wind because he brings refreshment to you. He gives us the peace of God, he purifies our hearts, he heals us, and he refreshes us. In this first introduction, the Spirit of God is referred to as hovering over the face of the waters. We are told that the Spirit of God, in the context of Genesis 1, is hovering over the chaos of shapeless matter. We are told that the holy, Spirit of God is hovering over the empty void of darkness. We are told that the Spirit of God is hovering over an earth that is without order, without beauty, or even any use in its present state, and it was surrounded on all sides by thick darkness. So why would it be important For us to know in this first introduction of the Spirit of God. Because the Word of God wants to introduce us to His power. In the second verse of Holy Scripture, the Spirit of God is introduced as the one who creates beauty out of chaos. In the opening pages of Scripture, if you were going to write Scripture, what would be your second verse? In the second verse of Scripture, God wants us to know that the Holy Spirit makes something beautiful out of our useless, senseless, seemingly void circumstances of this life. Somebody give me an amen. Amen. God wants us to know that His Spirit penetrates the deep darkness that surrounds us. God wants us to know that even though we might be experiencing emptiness, gloom, and disorder, that His Spirit can work miracles in our lives. God wants us to know that His Spirit can make something out of nothing. Let me introduce you. The Spirit of God. Ladies and gentlemen, I've tried to introduce you to the Holy Spirit. He is the third person of the Godhead. The Spirit of God is his name. You cannot hide from his presence because he is omnipresent. He has all wisdom and knowledge to share with you the divine precepts of God. He wants to give you a peace, the peace of God that surpasses understanding. He wants to purify our hearts. He wants to heal our brokenness and bring refreshment to our souls. And he's hovering over this place right now, desiring to penetrate the darkness that surrounds you and to create beauty out of the chaos of your life. He is a divine gentleman, desiring to shower you with love and affection that only comes from God. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to introduce you to the Holy Spirit and want to ask you, will you receive the introduction? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you brought us to this place so that we might be introduced to your spirit. Holy Spirit of God. Come to us now. Hover over us. Shower us with the love of God. We ask you, Lord, to work in our hearts to penetrate the darkness and the chaos and the voidness and the senselessness of our lives. Lord, we ask you, by your Holy Spirit, to create in us something out of nothing. Do it, Lord. Do it, we pray. We receive this gracious invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.